Jeremy, and thank you to the search committee. I'm sure this is um, a few meetings and a few hours of your time, so thank you. And thank you, Christy, for worship. And thank you for being here this morning. I know it's summer, and there are lots of places where you could be this morning, but it is a good thing for us to be together as the body of God. So thank you for coming. Before we get right into things, can we just take a few minutes to remember Ralph and Edith and their kids, Cameron and Natalie? They're in Winnipeg um, for her father's funeral this weekend. So let's just ask God's blessing on them. God, you are our good shepherd. And we would just ask that you would take care of Ralph and Edith and their family this weekend as they bury her father and remember his life. May you grace their time with peace and gratitude. May they grieve what they have lost and be comforted by your spirit. So as your body and their family, we pray these things. Amen. We also just want to take a few moments to um, acknowledge our summer students. We've had Emma Helverson, Hia Song, Jade Edzerda, and Victor Ahn working at Forest View this summer, and they have been responsible for community outreach and all that's involved with the summer camps. So it's been a big job, and they have done it with enthusiasm and diligence. And in fact, they're hosting a barbecue at Forest View this Friday for all the campers and their families um, who have been involved with the camps this summer. So if you want more info, talk to Emma. But we just wanted to say thank you to them, and we pray that the time and energy that they have spent this summer will have opened some windows and knocked down some walls for people in the community for them to see God and his people. And that's a good idea. Go ahead. <laughs> here's, here's just a couple more pictures. There we go. So today we are continuing on with the Psalms, and our Psalm for today is Psalm 104. Um, it's a bit long. Um, you can either read along in your Bibles or just listen. Feel free to close your eyes if that's helpful. But let's just take our time and enjoy the scripture this morning. Psalm 104. Praise the Lord, my soul. Lord, my God, you are very great. You are clothed in splendor and majesty. The Lord wraps himself in light as with a garment, and he stretches out the heavens like a tent and lays the beams of his upper chambers on their waters. He makes the clouds his chariot and rides on the wings of the wind. He makes winds his messengers, flames of fire his servants. He set the earth on its foundations, and it can never be moved. You covered it with the watery depths as with a garment, and the water stood above the mountains. But at your rebuke, the waters fled, and at the sound of your thunder, they took to flight. They flowed over the mountains. They went down into the valleys to the place you assigned for them. You set a boundary they cannot cross, and never again will they cover the earth. He makes springs pour water into the ravines. It flows between the mountains. They give water to all the beasts of the field. The wild donkeys quench their thirst. The birds of the sky nest by the waters. They sing above the branches. He waters the mountains from his upper chambers, and the land is satisfied by the fruit of his work. He makes grass grow for the cattle and plants for people to cultivate, bringing forth food from the earth. Wine that gladdens human hearts, oil to make their faces shine, 
and bread that sustains their hearts. The trees of the Lord are well watered, and the cedars of Lebanon that he planted. There the birds make their nests, the stork has its The stork has its home in the junipers. The high mountains belong to the wild goats. The crags are a refuge for the hyrics. He made the moon to mark the seasons, and the sun knows when to go down. You bring darkness, it becomes night, and all the beasts of the forest prowl. The lions roar for their prey and seek their food from God. The sun rises, and they steal away, and they return and lie down in their dens. And then people go out to their work, to their labor until evening. How many are your works, Lord? In wisdom you made them all, and the earth is full of your creatures. There is the sea, vast and spacious, teeming with creatures beyond number, living things both large and small. And there the ships go to and fro, and Leviathan, which you formed to frolic there. All creatures look to you to give them their food at the proper time, and when you give it to them, they gather it up. When you open your hand, they are satisfied with good things. And when you hide your face, they are terrified. When you take away their breath, they die and return to the dust. When you send your spirit, they are created and you renew the face of the ground. May the glory of the Lord endure forever. May the Lord rejoice in his works. And he who looks at the earth and it trembles, who touches the mountains and they smoke, I will sing to the Lord all my life. I will sing praise to my God as long as I live. May my meditation be pleasing to him as I rejoice in the Lord. But may sinners vanish from the earth and the wicked be no more. Praise the Lord, my soul. Praise the Lord. This is the word of the Lord. So today, we're going to talk about God as creator and our appropriate response to that truth. And I hope this morning that you are encouraged and inspired to embrace this gift of creation. I had fun putting this together. It really is a lot of pictures and stories this morning. I've got everything from a picture of Libby Somerville's bathroom to a story of Don Stelter's summer vacation. So we're going to hear a lot of personal accounts from some of you that I've collected this week that can make this approach to creation practical, worshipful, and a regular part of our daily lives. So may his spirit be present this morning and may the joy of the Lord be evident. So when it comes to this world, there's three things that that we're going to notice this morning based out of Psalm 104, and it's God saying, I made it, so enjoy it. I made it, so look for me, and I made it, so take care of it. We know that God is pleased with what he's made. When we look back to Genesis 1, when God created the earth, he stood back and he smiled and he said, ah, this is good. And so should we. This is what God wants us to say to, along with him, ah, this is good. As Christ followers, this is our job, to appreciate and enjoy his world. Nature, the great outdoors, this is for us to enjoy. God made this world for us, and it's like his gift to us. So as people who know God, and we honor him by enjoying the world around us. I love that nature and the beauty of this planet is this common grace that God has given us all. As long as you're alive, you will have access to this common grace. And it doesn't matter how much money you have, If you can hike for hours on end or not at all, 
all of us can enjoy the world that, that God has made. So our mothers were right. Fresh air, going for a walk, these things are good for us. And now psychologists and researchers are discovering things that God has been saying all along. And there's a lot of research going on right now about the benefits about being outside. It sort of seems like it's groundbreaking news, but God has known this all along, and he's the one who said it first. So I, I read this book called um, The Nature Fix, Why Nature Makes Us Happier, Healthier, and More Creative. And it is full of stats and stories from around the world that prove that being outside is good for us. It's good for our mental, emotional, physical health. And this author, William, she's done a lot of research um, on the positive effects of nature, and she kind of sums it up by saying, Basically, nature, it turns out, is good for civilization. It sounds like someone designed it that way. And she says, short exposures to nature can make us less aggressive, more creative, more civic-minded, and healthier overall. For warding off depression, let's go with the finished recommendation of five hours a month in nature minimum. But as the poets, neuroscience, scientists and river runners have shown us, we also at times need longer, deeper immersions into wild spaces to recover from severe distress, to imagine our futures, and to be our best civilized selves. Being outside in God's created world is good for us. And besides the pleasure it just brings us by being beautiful, it is also good for our bodies. So someone from Forest U sent me this about exercising outside rather than inside. And he said, Scottish researchers discovered that working outside has a 50% greater positive effect on mental health than just going to the gym. Outdoor exercise is linked to stress reduction, a decrease in feelings of tension and anger, and less symptoms of depression. And he says, as Christians, it's not hard to make the connection between these benefits and the marvel and inspiration enjoyed in God's creation. And I like that line. As Christians, it's not hard for us to make the connection. Of course, this is good for us. And like I said, I've asked a bunch of you at this past week to tell me your stories about God and nature. So thank you for taking the time to respond and reflect and send those to me. So this morning's sermon is really this collaboration. It's kind of by the people, for the people. Uh, one of you, a mountain biker, sent me this, and he says, although God only made me mediocre speed, I still feel a connection whilst bombing down a gnarly trail. Whether you're running along a shoreline, paddling across a lake, or hiking amongst some hills, whether it's big sky country, endless mountains, or looking ahead to a dusty trail disappearing into the woods, I cannot help but feel God's pleasure. And what does that line make you think of? It's that scene from Chariots of Fire, right? This is, this is how we feel God's pleasure. Um, I know Hillary spends lots of time outside, so when I reached out to her for her thoughts, she told me about a hike that she took at Twos and Webster's Falls last week, and she said, it was an anxious week, and so I took a break and went for a beautiful hike. She says, I often struggle to live in the moment and be present, but when I'm in nature, away from the distractions of everyday life, I am find that I'm able to find more peace, calm, stillness in my heart through observing and enjoying my surroundings. 
And of course, God has known this all along. He designed this world to be good for us, for our mental and emotional health. When Steph emailed me her stories about nature, you could tell that she's a person who's spiritually nourished by being outside. And she said, it happens over and over again in the outdoors, not always in dramatic ways. She says, but in a meadow on a mountain bike ride at sunrise or sunset, or a quiet ski trail with a forest full of trees and fresh fallen snow, looking up the pine tree from the hammock in our yard, she said, I love experiencing the reminder of his power and presence. So being outside, enjoying this world that God has made for us, this is good. It's good for us because God designed it that way. And this is what I love about God, that he designed this natural world to have these positive effects on our physical and mental health. And I love that researchers are discovering this. So this is what we're supposed to do. It's our job to fully enjoy the created world. This is his gift to us, and we are to fully enjoy it. I love that we're a church that celebrates Thanksgiving with a hike at Rattlesnake Point, and that we celebrate Good Friday with a hike around Crawford Lake. Being here, Burlington Oakville, we are in a sweet spot when it comes to green space and conservation areas. And we have a great lake at our, at our doorstep. Um, and we as a church, we purposefully enjoy these beautiful places just the way God wants us to. A, a few weeks ago when we were coming back from Alberta, we stopped at Manitoulin Island to hike the Cup and Saucer. Some of you have probably done this hike. And then we went to Bridal Veil Waterfalls afterwards to cool off. And this is a beautiful waterfall. It's got this pool of water at the base for swimming. Now, when we got there, I don't usually go swimming because I don't really like it. And besides the doggy paddle, I don't really know how to swim. <laughs> but at that moment, I remember thinking, um, I remember thinking, I think it would be dishonoring to God if I didn't jump in right now. Look at what he's given me to enjoy. So I better enjoy it. Like as an act of obedience to God, I better go swimming right now. <laughs> and I did. And it, I, re I felt a wave of his pleasure. It really was glorious. And if I hadn't, I would have felt like I was turning away one of God's good gifts to me. John Ruskin, he's an English philosopher and educator. He said, sunshine is delicious, rain is refreshing, wind braces us up, snow is exhilarating. There is really no such thing as bad weather, only different kinds of weather. And maybe as a way of loving God, we embrace all kinds of weather. We spend time outdoors. We hike Mount Nemo because it makes us happy and healthy. We go walk by the lake because it's beautiful. We chase the waterfalls around Hamilton because it's fun. We enjoy what God has made for us. And as with any gift, when we receive it, it's with thanks. It is with thanks and gratitude to the giver for the beautiful gift of creation. I remember reading somewhere that the problem with atheism is, is that there's no one to thank. But we know who's behind this world of ours. And we know that someone has designed it with us in mind. So, thank you, Jesus. We are grateful, and we will enjoy this world around us.
The second thing this morning is we see in Psalm 104 that God says he made this world. So look for him. And this is one of the ways, nature, being outside, this is one of the ways that we can see and know God. We can pay attention and notice God in the created world around us. Some places make this easy. Steph said that when her and Mike were at Yosemite National Park in California, they hiked into the valley, they looked up at Half Dome, and they couldn't help but be still and know that he is God. And she says she remembers feeling dwarfed by the magnitude of God's creation. The grandeur of God is evident in creation. Christy said this about the Burlington waterfront. She says, I have found that various spaces near the water have, have given me moments of clarity and helped me come to a space of openness and worship. Worship more in the space of broken hallelujahs or the act of turning my heart towards listening to what God is saying and slowly wearing away the jagged parts of my heart, sort of like the way the water does to the rocks over time. And as surely as I can feel the sun warming my back and the rocks that I sit on, I know that he's also working in me. So just like sitting by the water, watching the waves beat against the rocks can give us assurance and confidence that God is at work. The faithfulness and the persistence of God is evident in creation. Libby was in the Rocky Mountains this summer, and she says, I was so humbled this July by being in the mountains. She said, I almost felt fearful driving through the pass to Golden as the mountains towered over me. And she said, it was a picture of how big God is and how small I am. She couldn't help but think of the Psalm 121 that says, I lift my eyes to the mountains. Where does my help come from? My help comes from the Lord, the maker of heaven and earth. And this is the God that we call upon in our time of need. How incredible. We have a God who is worthy to be feared and worshipped. And this is evident through creation. I loved hearing what Don said about him and Evan being in the mountains a few weeks ago and then being in his backyard. And he said, having recently been in the Canadian Rockies, it's hard not to be in awe of God's creation with the majestic mountains and the beautiful blue-green lakes. He says, but just this past week, I was in our backyard, and I watched a male cardinal gather food from our bird feeder and find two female cardinals and feed them directly into their mouths. I stood in awe at the minute detail of God's creation. Sometimes the smallest things can lead to the greatest wonder. And God's attention to detail is evident in creation. I think God designed nature to direct our attention to him. It's one thing to look at a beautiful lake or tree or whatever and to experience the pleasure. And that's a part of it. That's the first step. The next step is noticing and seeing God. Matthew and Diana have directed the Woodland Challenge Program at OPC, and they use a quote from Irenaeus, who's an early church father, to frame their time together. It says, the first step to an understanding of God is the contemplation of creation. And Matthew has a great story about taking a school group to Greece, and as they're visiting the site of Delphi, which is where the Temple of Apollo stood, it's surrounded by mountains. It's a a spectacular site. Matthew tried to get a picture of it, but it just wasn't doing it justice. One student turned to him, though, and said, 
Do you ever wonder if there's anything to this God stuff? So contemplation of nature, this can be our first step to an understanding of God. Nature makes it easy for us to turn our attention towards God, and he designed it this way. It's not just that nature is good for us, but it's good for our relationship with God. And it's easier, easier for us to know God. So maybe spending time in nature is like a spiritual discipline. It's a way to know God. Someone said that nature was God's first scripture. Before we had the Bible, for those who don't have the Bible, for those times in history when lots of people couldn't read, nature was there to direct their hearts and minds towards God. And sometimes in this age when we have so much information and so many books, blogs, podcasts, it's overwhelming. And we also need to go to nature to see God more clearly. One of you had a great little story of how trees directed him towards God. Listen, he says, Once, while simply out for a walk in nature and directing my heart towards God, I had the sense that the trees were expressing God's love to me. It was a realization that the gift of nature and all the beauty of creation is a concrete expression of the love of God. And for me in that moment, God was saying, I love you through a tree. Now the difference between just seeing a tree and hearing God say that he loves us through a tree is that we're not just enjoying nature, but we're directing our hearts towards God. We're in conversation with him. We're opening that window and saying, God, I'm listening. What do you want to tell me? Jesus says in the book of Matthew that the lilies of the field and the birds of the sky have things to tell us. We just need to listen. And there is so much in nature to ponder and meditate on. God has made this world extravagant and full of wonder. Just this past week, my friend and I did some teacher training uh, for a school in Hamilton, and it was so much fun to see these teachers totally engaged in this uh, nature lesson. We were looking at monarch butterflies and how they go from these tiny little eggs on milkweed leaves uh, to these big, beautiful butterflies, and it was amazing. There were so many questions, so many things we don't understand. That little science lesson naturally led to worship of the great creator. And for those of us interested in science, there are so many things in physics and geology that can lead us to God. Okay, so for instance, if the rotation of our Earth had been one-tenth its present rate, the length of our days and nights would have been increased ten times, our vegetation would burn up during the long days, the nights would be so cold that any plant life would sure to freeze. So God got the rate of the Earth's rotation just right for human life. Or what about this? Scientists are recognizing that God made the Earth's crust perfectly. If it had been 10 feet thicker, the metallic elements in the crust would have combined with all the free oxygen in the atmosphere, ruling out the possibility of all animal life. On the other hand, if the oceans were merely a few feet deeper, they would absorb so much carbon dioxide from the air that plants could not exist. Someone put all this together in an intelligent, detailed, beautiful way. Max Licato, remember him? He says that nature is God's first missionary. When there is no Bible, there are sparkling stars. 
where there are not preachers, there are spring times. If a person has nothing but nature, then nature is enough to reveal something about God. It says in Psalm 19 that the heavens declare the glory of God. The skies proclaim the work of his hands. Day after day, they pour forth speech. Night after night, they reveal knowledge. If you ever visit the prairies, take some time and enjoy that big sky. You will hear the skies proclaiming the glory of God. There is nothing like it. There are no trees or mountains to block the view. All you've got is this big dome of sky with horizons all around you, and you get to hear the skies proclaiming the work of his hands. In Job, it says, but ask the animals and they will teach you, the birds of the air and they will tell you, ask the plants of the earth and they will teach you, and the fish of the sky will declare to you. Who among all these does not know that the hand of the Lord has done this? In his hand is the life of every living thing and the breath of every human being. So this created world, nature, leads us to God. It puts us in a posture of gratitude and humility before God. And we can know who God is and what he's like through nature. So, so far we have God made the world, so let's enjoy it. God made the world, so let's look for him and know him. And lastly, because God made the world and deemed it good, because he's commanded us to rule over it, then let's take care of it as an act of worship, as an act of obedience, because we love Jesus and we want to be people formed by him. Let's take care of the earth. So what does this mean? It means that the church has to lead the way in terms of creation care. So the environment, the state of the lakes around us, pollution, planting trees, these are things that we need to be thinking of. So remembering our cloth grocery bags can be an act of worship. We do it because we love Jesus. We pick up garbage, we recycle because we love Jesus. When we dry clothes on the line, when we plant trees, when we ride our bike instead of driving our car, we do these things because God made this beautiful world. He wants us to enjoy it, to see him and take care of it. Arosha is one of those great organizations who's leading the church in this area. And Luke Wilson, some of you may know him, he's the Canadian director of Arosha. And when I looked at their website, they say that they work in conservation because they believe certain things about God and the world. And they say, in the words of John Wesley, we have found that faith in Jesus Christ leads us beyond a concern just for the well-being of other human beings, but to the broader concern for the well-being of the birds in our backyard, the fish in our rivers, and every living creature on the face of the earth. So Arosha is changing the way that people treat the earth, motivated by the love of God. St. Francis, one of our brothers in Christ from the 1200s, simply wanted to follow the teachings of Jesus and to walk in his footsteps. He's the one who started the Franciscan Order for Men and the Order of the St. Clair or the Poor Clares uh, for, for Women. If you know anything about St. Francis, it's probably going to be something about birds or animals because he is known for his love of nature. And there are stories of him preaching to the birds or to a field of flowers. He died in 1226 while singing Psalm 141, 
My eyes are fixed on you, O sovereign God. So St. Francis is known as the patron saint of nature and ecology, and he had genuine and deep respect for creation. He invited everyone to give praise to God, and he believed that when we are at peace with God, we're better able to devote ourselves to building up that peace with all creation, which is part of peace among all peoples. Paul Miller, the director of mission here, he's looking into ways to develop this green space that we have here at Forest View. So he's been in touch with Arosha. He's going to be meeting with Halton Conservation Area this week. He's dreaming of ways of preaching the gospel and honoring God through taking care of this land that we have right here. So he's wondering about walking trails, native gardening, maybe bees. However, we can love God best by taking care of this little corner of the created world that we have a church, that we as a church have here. So if any of that intrigues you, call him. He'll take you for coffee, and you can talk more about those things. Libby has this posted in her bathroom, and I love it. It's part of St. Francis's Canticle of Praise. I don't know if you can read it. It's, it's pretty small. It says, Praise be my Lord for our sister water who is very serviceable unto us and humble and precious and clean. So every time you wash your hands in her bathroom, you are reminded that water is a gift from God. It is serviceable, humble, precious, and clean. So praise the Lord. As we go through this next week, may we fully enjoy the world that God has made for us. May we take pleasure in it. And may we let this gift of God nourish us in all kinds of ways. May we see God in the world around us this week. May the waters, the trees, the escarpment, our backyards, all be little windows into knowing God more. And may our hearts and minds be drawn to God through that. And may we take seriously our job to take care of this place because we love Jesus. Let's pray. God, you are our great creator. And as we come to the table this morning, this bread and this juice, both of these are gifts that come from the created world, and they are here to lead us to Jesus. This bread and this juice are windows into who you are and what kind of God you are. And we know that you are the sort of God who provides, not just pleasurable things, but you also provide a way, a way from death to life. So thank you for the cross, for dealing with sin and evil, and for not just making eternal life possible, but a full and robust life here on earth possible. Thank you for loving us. Amen.